Hey everybody, and welcome to the first podcast on the Plains. I am Sam Butler, the sports editor at the Auburn Plainsman, joined by assistant sports editor Evan McCullers. How you doing, Evan? I'm doing fine, Sam. How are you? I'm doing just fantastic. And everybody else in Auburn is about to do fantastic as well, because this week, football is finally back. We made it. We made it. Gosh, it's been so long. <laughs> that uh, Outback Bowl was still is fresh in my mind, and I know everybody gets ready to get on the right track against Louisville this weekend. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Coach Lashley talked about that in his press conference yesterday, that uh, the last two years, Auburn ended the season with a loss, and something that's really difficult to get over as you go throughout the next year. you got to sit with that for a long time uh, with those end-of-season losses, but it's good to get back out on the field and uh, get ready to play another game. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Yeah, and uh, we've been going to a lot of press conferences for the fall practices that have been going on, fall camp leading up to the first game, and there's been definitely a few storylines that have stood out. First off, Jeremy Johnson, everybody knows he's starting, but we're finally getting to see how he performs this week. What do you think is going to happen, Evan? Yeah, we uh, saw him, obviously, in the opener last year against Arkansas, and even his freshman season, uh, they pulled the red shirt off Jeremy the I think the fifth or sixth week of the season to start a game, and he started another one later that year when Nick Marshall was dealing with some injuries. So we've seen a little bit out of Jeremy, um, but like Coach Malzahn said last week, I mean, it's finally his team, and this is the first time that uh, he's going to have that experience of being able to take control of the team from the spring practice through the summer workouts and on into the fall. And uh, that's something that you, you just have to look at each individual quarterback and see how they respond to that. Um, but obviously a lot of expectations on him this year. He's on a lot of watch lists. People talking about Heisman expectations possibly mm-hmm. if, uh, if he has a really good season. So, you know, the expectations for him are huge, and uh, the coaching staff has not uh, shied away from talking about those expectations. They have acknowledged them and said that he is ready to deal with them. The coaching staff is ready to deal with them, and uh, that just kind of comes with, the territory, and, and Coach Maldon said that's a place you want to be where you have your program to a point where your players and your team get a lot of preseason hype. So, uh, Yeah, like you said, last year he did start, but everyone knows, even Jeremy knows, that was still Nick's team. He was still going to come in that second half and start. He just did what he could in the first half, and lo and behold, he shreds the Arkansas defense, yep. and everyone's left wondering, well, Jeremy's so good. Why didn't he start earlier? But – that's a pretty good point. Nick won the job, and it would be pretty stupid to up in your guy that almost won, uh, won you a national championship the year after. But, yeah, the excitement around Jeremy is huge. Jeremy's pretty huge, too. He's like 6'5". Yeah, 6'5", two, uh, 235, 240, somewhere in there. He's a he's load. Yeah, making plenty of comparisons to Cam Newton, which – I don't know. We'll see about that. Yeah, tough to live up to that season that Cam had in 2010, but we'll see. I mean, Jeremy's got a lot of talent, um, so we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, it's going to be a trip to watch. Running backs. Yeah, we've uh, had a a running back competition throughout the spring, uh, through the summer, and on into fall camp. In a little bit of a surprising move, uh, Coach Malzahn and offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley actually named a starter at running back for the opener. And that is Rock Thomas, who is coming into his sophomore season. Uh, he shared the third-string role with Peyton Barber uh, 
last year behind seniors Cameron Otis Payne and Corey Grant. Saw some limited action. Uh, obviously, he had the big mistake on the first play of the Iron Bowl. Yep, uh, set for the rest of the season after yes, that. Yes, and didn't get back in the game uh, after that. And like you said, uh, in the Outback Bowl against Wisconsin, I don't believe he played in that game either. So, uh, but they're, I mean, they've moved past that. Uh, Rock has acknowledged that. The coaching staff has talked about that, said that that's behind them. They have full confidence in Rock. But with that said, uh, they're going to kind of continue that battle on through the first few games, and they're going to give Peyton Barber carries, and they're going to give uh, junior college transfer Javon Robinson some carries as well. And they're just going to see how it shakes out. And there's been a lot of comparisons to 2013 because, if you'll recall, that was kind of the situation then where you had Trey Mason, you had Cameron Artis Payne, you had Corey Grant coming into the season. And for the first few games, they shared a lot of the carries. And then Trey uh, stepped up and he took the job and obviously went on to have one of the best seasons by running back in Auburn history. But mm-hmm. uh, obviously that's the ideal scenario for the coaching staff. They said when they go to LSU in week three, they would like to have a guy that they can count on, one guy really step up by then after the first two games. Uh, but I think they're just – and Coach Lashley said it yesterday, they're just going to play it by feel. These first few games are going to go with the hot hand, uh, but Rock will get the first carry. Yeah, the uh, running back by committee is definitely going to be a huge part early on. I know a lot of people were surprised that Javon was stuck basically in the third string because everyone assumed pretty much when he came in right before the bowl that he would just vault into the starting position when he came back once uh, Corey and Cam graduated. But that hasn't really been the case. Rock and Peyton really stood out. Peyton, who's been in the system for a few years now, kept getting sidelined by various things, whether that be in the A-Day two years ago, he injured himself on the first carry. Mm-hmm. And that, gave, that uh, robbed him of a lot of experience right there. And he's uh, been able to fight back. And he's always had nothing but good things to say, really. He's uh, been really good about knowing that he didn't start and knowing that other guys beat him out. But he's just always been really, to, really uh, willing to put his head down and work hard. And I assume he's going to get every shot in the world to prove himself. Yeah, definitely. By committee. And even then... Uh, Freshman, carry on Johnson. Yeah, he, you got he's been uh, injured for a little bit. Yeah, carry on Um coaching staff said they sat him down for a few days in practice just to make sure that he was totally healthy. Uh, he was not listed on the t- too deep depth chart that we got the other day, but uh, the coaching staff has said has been very clear uh, throughout fall practice that carry on they're not planning to put a red shirt on carry on that he will play in the opener on special teams and possibly a little bit on offense. Yeah. Uh, some people I've talked to a while ago, I think it was uh, Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers and Brian Matthews from Rivals. They both said carry on would be more of a Cadillac Williams type of runner. He's got a lot of a uh, north-south speed. He's not going to be bruising anybody. But he's got that elusiveness and that breakaway uh, quickness that just you can set him loose, and he's like a shot out of a cannon. Yep. He uh, was actually – he went to Madison Academy, which was the – Biggest rival of my high school. So we got to watch him destroy us on numerous occasions. And I got to watch him uh, this past December in the championship when he set the single-game state record for touchdowns in Jordan-Hare. Yep. So, yeah, he's going to be really exciting to watch. And honestly, I think down the road he might be one of the better running backs that will come through Auburn. And that's saying something. Yeah, it's saying something. Moving on to receivers. Big story, 
Duke Williams. Oh yeah, uh, the Duke Williams saga. I think you could. Uh, Is it coming to a close? You could put it. Maybe we'll see. We'll um, find out. Obviously, Duke um, suspended for the Outback Bowl last year, and then in the had a few small issues in the off season. Uh, the latest being the suspension, if you want to call it that. He, he missed practice um, earlier in fall camp and. The coaching staff said that that's behind them and that they're giving Duke every opportunity to work his way back up. They did say he started when he first came back at the bottom of the depth chart and he was going to have to work his way back up. The latest we've heard is that he is on the second string, but on the depth chart, on the 2D, he was uh, listed as an or at one of the wide receiver positions. It says DeQuill Williams, or DeKill Williams, uh, excuse me, or uh, Tony Stevens at the, I believe that's the X receiver uh, that he's playing at. So we'll see if he starts in the opener. If he doesn't, I don't see it being a big deal. I think it's a first series type of thing, and he really gets starters reps beyond that. If he doesn't start, I think it's just not a start, and it's not going to dent into his playing time all that much. Yeah, it's really just a formality yeah. that Duke's not starting. He's going to work his way back. He's been named to too many watch lists. He's been pegged too high by Mel Kuyper in the draft to sit out and be on the second team the entire season. Um, other receivers, you got Melvin Ray and Ricardo Lewis, those <coughs> other seniors who are going to be starting. Is this the year Ricardo finally finds consistency? Will he be able to perform other than the occasional end around or Prayer and Jordan Hare? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, the coaching staff has had great things to say about Ricardo throughout training camp. They said he's going to be a much more uh, versatile receiver this year um, and not just, like you said, on the speed sweeps and the go routes and things like that, that he's going to go across the middle and that he's going to be able to receive. Uh, he's going to be running all sorts of different routes, um, sort of like Duke last year when Duke could go vertical and he could go across the middle of the field. That's kind of the role they want Ricardo to take this year and be much more well-rounded receiver. And then, like you said, Melvin Ray is a guy, um, I believe the oldest guy on the team, uh, yep. went and played yep. professional baseball. Came back. And then came back to college. And he's a guy that has shown a lot of big playability, uh, starting, I guess, uh, where most people would remember him from, is in the 2013 BCS National yep. Championship Got game. A touchdown right down the scene. Yeah, had, I think, around a 50-yard catch for a Something touchdown. Like that. That and, was the uh, first time I'd ever heard of him. I, yeah. Like, I was a pretty ignorant Auburn fan two years ago. Yeah, just came I out of nowhere. Anything. And, uh, and, and made that catch. And then last year he had a little bit of an increased role, but I think the coaches really want to get the ball in his hands and let him uh, make plays because he's certainly shown that big playability. And then Marcus Davis is another guy um, that the coaches, you know, he was a freshman back in 2013. And for a freshman, really contributed a lot to yeah, the Yeah, a ton of playing time. He made some yeah. pretty crucial catches there. Definitely. And then uh, this year, he uh, announced like straight to us, he said he'd be the starting punt returner, taking over for Quan Bray. He's shifty. He's yeah. got the speed. He yeah. can do it. Uh, he's been compared to Quan a lot by the coaching staff uh, as far as uh, as a punt returner. Um, he's just, listed as or with Jason Smith, the Juco transfer, and Gray King. He's a sophomore receiver. Yeah, uh, I didn't really understand that, to it's be like honest. It's, it's, um, I don't know why that's there. Either. Because uh, he, he said that 
he told us the other day in the press conference that he would be the starter, that he would be back there to take the first return. And Yeah, we even got him to clarify it. He said he'd yeah. be taking the first punt return, and then I forgot who it was, Jason. I think it was, it was Brian. Brian actually said, does that mean you're going to be the starter? And Mike just goes, yes, sir, I'm going to be the starting punt returner. Yeah, so he's the so, guy. Uh, I don't think you need to read too much into that or uh, beside his name, the punt returner. Um, but, yeah, I think they're going to look for him to make contributions in the return game. Uh, as Quan did a year ago, but also as a receiver, they're going to look to uh, get him the ball. And, you know, re- really the receivers as a whole, uh, I think they're really looking to for them to step up a lot this year because yeah. Jeremy is known as more of a thrower than, than Nick was. they got to catch it. Exactly. And yeah. uh, Marcus, for being a junior, he's got, he's got a ton of playing time. He's got a ton of experience mm-hmm. compared to, say, Tony Stevens, who's also a junior but hasn't seen – nearly the amount of playing time that Marcus Davis has. No. So Marcus is no, knows what he's doing out there. He's going to be pretty reliable for Jeremy when it comes down to crunch time. But everyone assumes, myself included, and I assume you do too, Jeremy's going to be thrown to Duke on third and long when they need to catch. Yeah, I mean, Duke's the go-to guy, even though he's, you know, we've yet to see if he's officially the starter in game one. He's the number one guy. I mean, it's not close. Uh, Duke is, you know, like Sam mentioned, on all the watch lists nationally uh, for all the, the postseason awards, which, you know, in the preseason you can read into that what you will, but it does kind of show you nationally how much people appreciate Duke's talent. Uh, but, you know, with teams keying on Duke, those other receivers are going to be called on to step up a lot, and I think Jeremy's got some reliable options out there. Yeah, they've got the experience. They're going to know how to get it done. Uh, on the old line a lot of battles went there for a while. Some of them weren't even close. Some have been set for a while now. We got uh, Sean Coleman. He's going to be returning as a left tackle. Pretty rock solid there. Right uh, right guard, Braden Smith. Mm-hmm. He did pretty well as a freshman in the limited action he got. But he's going to be pretty solid. He also is huge. Yes. Right tackle, Avery Young, also massive. We got three people set right there. The only two battles that were really going on were at left guard center. Mm-hmm. Center was between Austin Golson, who transferred from Ole Miss, and Xavier Dampier, who's been kind of waiting his turn. Left guard, Alex Cozan started in 2013. Freshman All-American. Mm-hmm. Missed last season with a back injury. Devontae Danzi took over for him. It was a pretty solid job. Very solid. Now they're back. They're battling. One of them, one of those great offensive linemen is getting left out. Who's yep. going to be? Uh, yeah, that's a, a great question. Either Alex Cozan or Devontae Danzi is going to be on the second string offensive line. And that's really a shame because, like you said, uh, Alex Cozan, great season in 2013 as a true freshman. And then you've got Danzi who came in after the injury last year and really filled in uh, serviceably, did a very good job. And uh, so that's, you know, that'll be something interesting to watch in the opener uh, where Coach Lashley said that both of them will play. He said that the coaching staff does have a plan of how they're going to handle that competition uh, as far as in the Louisville game, how they're going to go about about rotating them in and out. Uh, obviously, he didn't give us any of the details on that plan, but he said the coaching staff has talked about it. And, you know, they're going to go with what they've got, and they're going to see kind of like the running back situation, who steps up. But we did get an answer to the center battle. Uh, that will be Austin Golson. And... Once again, I think the coaching staff is really happy that they've got two guys 
that they trust uh, at that position, mm-hmm. you know, where if, God forbid, something happens to Austin, um, you know, Xavier, they've got all the confidance in the world in him. Yeah, Gustav said repeatedly, this is really similar to 2013. They've got too much talent, basically. And he said that's not a bad problem to have at all, and it's not. Yeah. Having that many people you can rely on is going to be great if it comes down to it, which hopefully it won't. But if it does, he's got people he can rely on. And then um, on defense, some pretty interesting things on the depth chart. At linebackers specifically, we got returners Casanova McKenzie and Chris Frost, both seniors who turned down the NFL draft to come back. Everyone assumed they'd be starting. But next to their uh, names on the depth chart, Trey Williams is listed as an or, as an alternate to both. Mm-hmm. You reading anything into that? I don't know. Uh, you know, one thing that we've talked a lot about with Coach Muschamp and Coach Malzahn throughout fall camp is Coach Muschamp has an approach in practice every day where whoever did the best the previous day becomes the starter for the next day. Right. And that's something they talked a lot about that's really helped the competition aspect of the linebackers because that they've – Specifically mentioned that communication has been an issue in fall camp yep. with the linebackers. And that's, that's the, the biggest thing most have talked about. Exactly. You've got to be able to communicate. You've got to be able to make all the calls. And I don't think anybody's really stood out as far as a great communicator at linebacker. And so, you know, of course, everyone expected Casanova and Chris to start. But Trey Williams was, I believe, a five-star recruit yep. last year. Uh, and, and so, you know, he's not lacking for talent. So we'll see what happens. We'll see in the opener. That'll be another interesting storyline to watch and see how they rotate them in and out mm-hmm. and who starts because we got oars at both of those positions. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting battle. Justin Garrett's locked up the other linebacker position. Yes. He's a pretty solid player. That's a good choice right there. Yep. Cornerbacks, Jonathan Jones, only one returning really from last year. Was, uh, Jonathan Menzies gone. So Jonathan Jones is locked up that field corner position. And on the other side – Blake Countess, Michigan transfer. Not the biggest of guys, but that seems to be a recurring theme amongst Auburn's secondary. Blake Countess has earned nothing but the praise from his teammates this entire fall and from the coaches. They've all sung the praises of him. They said he has been able to integrate really well, really quickly. They said he knows what he's doing. They say that he can play any position, whether it be safety, corner, nickel, whatever. They've even got him on the uh, kick return team, too. So he's just a pretty well-rounded athlete. That really was a godsend for Auburn because this secondary is paper thin. Yeah. And Count is coming in and getting the start is huge. Like his backup is listed as Jeremiah Denson, who's a freshman. You don't want to throw a freshman in there to start, although Tim Urban, who is a freshman, is starting at nickel. But still, having multiple freshmen starting in your secondary, especially ones that aren't huge, that could uh, spell trouble. Yeah, and the nickel position, you mentioned Tim Urban there as a true freshman. The, The thing about that is that's not in every down type of position, especially when you're in the SEC and you've got some teams that like to run the ball, line up two tight ends, and and like I said, run the ball. Um, you know, that's not going to be an every down thing. Uh, but with these teams that are going to spread the ball out, you know, Texas A&M comes to mind. They run a lot yep. of five-wide, four-wide sets. Tim Irvin's going to get a lot of playing time, and he's going to get thrown out there as a true freshman. And Coach Muschamp also said that Carlton Davis and Jeremiah Denson are going to play a lot. They're both true freshmen. And, you know, so the youth will be something to watch out for in the secondary to see how they hold up when 
you know, against Louisville, but also when we get into conference play. Yeah. One thing uh, Coach Malzahn has repeatedly mentioned in nearly every press conference is the ability of our young guys. He says they've always got young guys, and the young guys that they've got this year are going to be counted on a ton. And uh, I'm assuming Tim, Denson, and uh, Davis are going to be very key contributors along with Carry On. And uh, on the D-line, Byron Coward. Yeah, he said that, uh, just to, to piggyback off of that, he said the other day at the press conference that there were uh, eight true freshmen on the two-deep depth chart, and that was the biggest thing that stood out to Coach about the depth chart was that they're going to count on a lot of youth. And by the way, Carry On Johnson is not on the two-deep depth chart because Rob Thomas, Peyton Barber, and Javon Robinson are at running back, and Carry On is also going to play. So you're looking at potentially nine true freshmen uh, that will be playing for the yeah. Tigers this year. So It's going to be a great experience, a learning experience for all those freshmen. Yeah, Especially uh, next year when they come back, they'll have learned how to gotten, they'll have been thrown into the fire from the get-go. Yeah, that can sometimes present some problems in their freshman year, but when you look down the road at how this experience will help them, uh, you know, it's, it's really advantageous for people that have played as a freshman. Now we're going to get uh, the Louisville sports editor, the Louisville Cardinals, Sam Drought, to call in and discuss this matchup. Hey, Sam. How you doing? Hey, how's it going? It's going great. You're uh, here with me and Evan, and we're just going to hear to discuss the uh, Auburn-Louisville matchup this weekend. All right, that sounds good. So I don't know if you've seen anything about Auburn, if you've read anything about them, but uh, if you have, are there any storylines that you've noticed that really jumped out to you? Well, uh, you know, we but uh, been able to cover them decently or be able to take a decent look at them to see kind of what they have. I know there's been a quarterback change with Nick Marshall leaving and right. Jeremy Thompson went in and then uh, a couple of new younger running backs taking over and then obviously your defensive front's pretty loaded. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's definitely been some storylines like obviously being an SEC team or plenty of talent across the board and whether it's young and inexperienced or not it's still a very talented football players on both sides of the ball yeah absolutely and uh from our end the talk has always been about the quarterback because bobby petrino has been very hush hush about who he's going to start is it going to be reggie bonifon is it going to be kyle Bowen? who's it going to be do you know uh he he said uh yesterday that he, he knows who uh who his quarterback's going to be he's not going to announce it uh, obviously, until the game, until he trots right. out uh, first team. If I were a betting man, I'd probably say it's going to be Reggie Bonifant, mm-hmm. just because uh, Kyle Bowen. He he played a couple games at the end of the year last year, but doesn't have great arm strength. He, he is a pretty big gamer and a competitor, but uh, I I don't see him. And then this other guy, Will Gardner. I don't know if you followed him that much. He he started the first few games of the year. He's just his whole career. He's battled uh, knee issues he's torn his ACL three times and he's got a big arm he's 6'5 and I I think he's the best quarterback out of the four mm-hmm. but keeping him healthy so uh, that's been an issue for him he's got a big arm he can play well uh, actually against Clemson last year he kind of came in replaced Bonifant and kind of saved the game and then it ended up going down to a last second a mistake for him but but I, I think he's probably the best quarterback out of the four but I, I think Petrino will be most comfortable with Bonifant and then also Bonif is a pretty uh, athletic guy, and he can scramble around so he can run the read option and the different different things that uh, you want to have with an up-tempo offense. Right. And uh, 
One of their big, uh, Louisville's biggest losses was Devontae Parker, who got picked up in the first round of the NFL draft. Are there any uh, receivers that you think are going to be able to step up and present a real challenge to Will Muschamp's uh, defense? That's, that's going to be the biggest issue. And I think if you look at their receivers, you've got some good guys. Uh, James Quick's the guy. He's a junior. He, he's played the past couple of years. He, he had a good year last year with over 500 receiving yards. But uh, the rest of the receiving core is relatively new. Uh, some of them are transferred. I think the biggest issue, these guys are talented. And you look at the height, you've got guys that are 6'3", 6'4", 6'4", 6'6". You've got guys with good size. The biggest issue is going to be getting them the football. And uh, it really comes down to the quarterback being able to find them. Because I, I know timing's a big thing, but uh, being a, having a quarterback that can throw the ball well to them is going to be a, a bigger issue, I think, before you worry about having a good enough receiver to go after the ball. Right. Auburn's secondary is pretty small. Their cornerbacks, neither one is bigger than 5'10". So the, both of Louisville's receivers are going to have a six-inch height advantage on these cornerbacks. So I think that the biggest way Auburn's going to be able to deter getting those big receivers the ball is to get that pass rush up on them. With uh, Carl, oh, Lawson, yeah, Carl Lawson coming back, freshman Byron Coward on the other side, that's going to be, in my opinion, that's going to decide the game for the defense on our side at least. Oh, well, certainly, because if you look at, uh, look at Louisville's offensive line, you've got hardly any, anybody coming back, and it's going to be pretty ex- inexperienced throwing uh, five, and then the Auburn's defense line just go right down the right down the board, and you look at the different guys that you guys got, and you talked about uh, the freshman Brian, or Byron Coward, but when I saw him commit uh, to you guys uh, obviously a couple months ago, I was like, oh, no, that means we're going to have to face him in a couple, uh, couple months, so so yeah, I think Auburn's defensive line and pass rush is, is going to be the biggest biggest problem for you about to face and kind of keeping the quarterbacks uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Sam Evan here. We've heard a lot from the Auburn coaches. They say when they turn on the Louisville film that the front seven uh, for y'all really stands out to them. There's just a lot of talent and they present a lot of problems. What can we expect to see from them? Well, one thing uh, Louisville actually last year. Uh, I think they were top ten in uh, sacks last year, so they, they yeah. were able to take quarterback down quite a bit. But one thing they did, uh, they didn't blitz as much as you would think for a team that uh, that had so many sacks. They get they get a really good pressure out of your front three, whether it's Sheldon Rankins, who's an all ACC guy, and then they've got this PO of a two days, who's very good. So those front three and the three four defense are a big uh, big cog in the sticks, and then. Then when you've got some good uh, linebackers that kind of apply pressure to it, the front seven is definitely Louisville's strength this year. And I think Petrino's talked about it, how he is confident in the front seven, whereas the secondary, there's still some question marks. Yeah, that's something I wanted to ask you about because Jeremy Johnson, obviously the starting quarterback for Auburn this year, he comes in and he's known as a lot more of a passing quarterback than Nick Marshall was. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen the the Louisville secondary on the field yet, but – when you look at guys uh, like Josh Harvey Clemens and Shaq Wiggins, who really stands out to you in that secondary, and do you think they're going to be able to stop the Auburn passing attack? That's that's the biggest uh, biggest concern I think for for Louisville secondary because there there are some guys, there's some positions that are still up in the air. Shaq Wiggins was a guy who played at Georgia. Josh Harvey Clemens, I'm sure you guys know, okay. uh, a couple of years ago after that tip pass and that falling off the helmet and stuff, but. But, yeah, so you've got those two Georgia guys that played for Todd Cranston, the defensive coordinator. But then other than that, you do bring – Louisville brings back a couple guys that have played sparingly the past couple of years, maybe gotten in a few sessions here and there. 
and it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they transition into being full-time players. You've got uh, two sophomores, Tremaine Washington and Chucky Williams, that, that have played a little bit. And then you've also got a cornerback named Jair Alexander, who's a freshman who got here a semester early. So it'll be interesting to see how they adjust in that big environment, really for the first time in their career. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, Josh Harvey Clemens was one of two people that were on the receiving end of the Prager and Jordan Hare, the other being Trey Matthews. Both guys actually transferred. Clemens went, Harvey Clemens went to Louisville. Trey Matthews is now in Auburn and is going to be starting at safety. So, anyways. But, uh, yeah, wrapping it up, do you have a prediction based on all this? How do you think it's going to shake out this weekend? I, I think it'll be an interesting game to watch. There's so many ifs and question marks up in the air on both sides uh, for both teams, I think, to, to kind of get a feel for it. But I think when you have that many question marks, uh, you look at just the talent that Auburn has uh, across the board, it, it's hard to see uh, a Louisville team going down, uh, traveling a lot further than Auburn is, mm-hmm. and kind of coming out with a victory. And I think, I think it's it's going to be the first five or ten minutes to kind of set the tone. And depending on who gets some defensive stops or how the offense comes out the first couple possessions, it'll be interesting to watch. But I think uh, I think I'm going to have to predict Auburn maybe by maybe two touchdowns, maybe like a. 31-21 game or 31-17 type game. Okay, so pretty high scoring, but yep. not out of the ordinary. Well, thanks a ton for calling in, Sam, and I guess we'll see you in Atlanta on Saturday. Yeah, sounds good. I'll be up in the booth with you guys. All right, appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. So, you know, get get a little bit of preview for Louisville and, uh, you know, really something that he mentioned uh, that I don't think is – Surprising to anyone is the Louisville front seven. You know, I asked him about how that was such a strength for Louisville, and that's something that the Auburn coaching staff has talked a, a ton about. And they've got some real playmakers up there, and it's going to be really interesting to see against the Auburn, you know, with the Auburn running back situation the way it is, with several interior linemen for Auburn, those situations with Kozan and Danzi switching out at left guard. Then you got Austin Golson who I believe is starting his first game ever at center. He played as a tackle yep. as a freshman at Ole Miss. And then you've got Braden Smith, who is starting his first game at guard uh, against Sheldon Rankins, who's one of the nation's best defensive tackles. And you got Devontae Fields, transferred from TCU yes. in 2012. Yeah, that, that front seven is going to be tough, and, and it's going to be really something to watch for. You know, can Auburn run the ball like they've been able to uh, the last few years on that Louisville front seven? Yeah, the uh, the way I think it's going to shake out, Gus Malzahn's obviously said that they want to remain a running team first. They want to get Rock, Peyton, and Javon those carries and then feed off that with Jeremy's arm. I think they're going to do that as much as possible. I don't know how they're going to be able to do that with Louisville's front seven, Rankins, Fields, whoever. That's a pretty stout front seven. If they're not able to run, will Jeremy be able to perform and win the game by himself? That's the biggest question. I don't know if he is, but I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt just based off all the hype that he's gotten. And I think Duke, Ricardo, Marcus, Melvin, and freshman Jalen Harris, who's starting a tight end, mm-hmm. I think they've got the experience, excluding Harris, to pull it out in the end if things get rough. And I think that Will Muschamp's new and improved defense forces a couple turnovers late. And Auburn's able to capitalize. Gus Malzahn pulls out a few tricks out of his butt or something. And they, uh, I think they stretch it out to a double-digit lead. I'm taking Auburn 37-21. to 21. 
Yeah, I've actually got uh, a little bit of a surprising prediction. I think it's going to be fairly low scoring. Um, uh, you know, I'm really high on that Louisville front seven. You know, we I know we've just kind of beat it into the ground here these last few minutes, but I really like really like the looks of that front seven. And I don't know if Auburn's going to be able to run the ball like they have in the last few years. I mean, uh, like I mentioned with the situations on the Auburn offensive line, uh, none of those guys lack for talent, but. You know, it takes, with the position battles in fall camp, uh, the line hasn't been able to get much chemistry together, I wouldn't think, uh, throughout fall camp. So, you know, we'll see how those guys gel. We'll see if Auburn's able to run the ball. But I think in the end, it may come down to a second-half game where Jeremy does have to make a lot of plays with his arm uh, to win the game. And then for Louisville, you know, I just really don't know what to think about that quarterback situation. I think I agree with Sam, I think Bonifon will start, and I think he will get the majority of the snaps. And I don't think he'll have a bad game, per se. I just don't know, uh, you know, sort of the same situation at their quarterback position as we've had at some of our positions here at Auburn. You know, without being able to develop any type of chemistry through fall camp because those four guys have all gotten reps uh, in, as the starter in Louisville's camp, I just don't know about the flow and the rhythm of their offense. Not to mention, kind of, throwing, kind of throwing it back to what you said at the beginning of this podcast. Jeremy's coming in knowing it's his team. Yes, those four quarterbacks. If Petrino's statements are to be believed, they're all rotating in like every other play or snap or whatever. Yeah, none of them knows whose team it is, and the rest of the team doesn't either. Exactly, they don't, they don't have that chemistry knowing that they've got that one guy to lead them. I think that might have some uh, pretty big implications when it yeah. comes to game time. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with Sam. Uh, I don't know. I think Auburn's defense will be pretty stout. Um, I can see um, Auburn giving up a few big plays here yeah. and there uh, mm-hmm. throughout the game. Uh, sort of the same thing in the secondary where they haven't played any games together. They've got, you know, obviously practiced a lot together. But we'll see how they gel back there. I can see a few big plays. But in the end, uh, like I said, I agree with Sam. Auburn will force a, sec- a couple of second-half turnovers, and I've got Auburn winning 24-21 in a game that I believe will be much, much closer than a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. I'm counting on Carl Lawson to have a pretty big uh, debut for the second time, which doesn't make sense, but anyway. Yeah, Carl we'll see. Lawson's coming back. He's going to be great. I'm we'll, thinking he's getting a huge fumble sack, something late. Yeah, we'll see about him because we've heard that Louisville's offensive line uh, may start up to, I believe, three freshmen, and – you know, like Sam said a minute ago on the call, don't have a lot of experience coming back at those key offensive line positions from last year. So I can definitely see Lawson having a big day. That would not surprise me at all. Yep. Well, I think we basically covered it. It's going to be an exciting weekend, and here's hoping that the Tigers pull it out. We'll catch you guys next week for the Jacksonville State preview, I guess. So uh, until next time, this has been Sam and Evan the uh, podcast on the planes. Catch you guys later. Deuces. Podcast on the Plains Sports Edition was produced with the assistance of 91.1 WEGL. The intro song Freestyle 30 by Benjamin Banger was provided by the Free Music Archive. For any questions about this podcast, email sports at theplainsman.com.